Welcome back to the Buck Stopping Here, Numero Uno, the Shot Caller, the Shaker, the Mover, the Candlestick Maker, the Dead Men Roll No Crits Taker. Uh, welcome back to the show and another example of lost leading and red bleeding leadership with your GM Patrick here and the one, the only, oh, Captain, my Capitan, the Captain of the Tidebreaker, Cassius Vell, played by Tyler. Woo! I'm here! Yay! For the last, but maybe not the last ever, one-on-one -on -one weird session with just just me, your GM. Just the two of us. We can RP if we try. Just the two of us. Listeners can, can vote after this episode. Which episode was the most awkward of, of just <laughs> Oh, I think you mean which one was the sexiest? Which one had the most electrifying energy? Oh boy. Um Yeah, yeah, we so this has been all solo episodes all month long or the last few weeks. Right. And we had done these, if you would call, to kind of start off the show. Yep. Uh, this is kind of like the background episodes. I, I forget. If we did those, if they were first, or I think they were like kind of broken up as we we went through the beginning of season one. Mm -hmm. Or uh, yeah, I, one. I think we did some solos and then like a zero with everybody, <laughs> and then the last solo or two. Uh, I want to say all I remember is <laughs> Candoso was like at the beginning of book two. It just <laughs> just kept uh, failing to find a place to fit it in, but. Yeah, it was my always my intention to come back and do more of these, and it is still my intention. I still want to follow that and come back to one-on-one -on -one episodes. Yeah. Maybe maybe not four in a row next time, but it, it seems no, a weird. Lot. <laughs> it seems weird to be like one player is like, "Hey, I just want to play with you next week." Not everyone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just, you just sent him a hey. I really feel like in that last session, it would have been better if those other chumps had just gone away. <laughs> Let's just yeah. try that. Everyone else, take take a. I do like I do. I I'd never done one on one sessions before, except for when we started doing them for DMRNC, and now I'm like, oh man, I kind of want to do this all the time because it yeah. it really it it really does help. Um, it's it's a nice time where you can just sit one on one with the with the DM or the GM <laughs> and figure out kind of what's going on with your character, and you have a really firm grasp of like what your situation is or like where you are in your own personal kind of story, depending on how connected or disconnected it may be to the, to the actual one. And, and that's nice. Cause sometimes you kind of, you get lot, like you kind of lose your own story sometimes when you're focusing on the main story or with whatever, like when we were doing those fetch quests, I completely, I was like, I don't know what is Cassius even about? We've been doing this for like a <laughs> month. I can't remember what I'm about. Well, and yeah, so no, it's the, nice to always kind of return, return to the motive, you know, like the motivators that you established back when you first made the character. This, ep this is episode 83 and <gasps> book three started at 53. So this is like 30 episodes into this book so i i totally understand what you mean but yeah the the flip side of that is sometimes this makes more sense than taking 30 minutes out of a full episode and like having just you know one character talk to the gm for a while while three other people wait oh, yeah. around or yeah you know, we've obviously had episodes where you know maybe honto is in the back seat or 
Alaris is for an yeah. episode. <laughs> That's always hard, especially if you have, you know, Cassius is the captain and the Chaw character and the and oftentimes the face. And so it's a lot of yeah. I always feel I always feel like, you know, even when it, we, even when we're doing something where it doesn't have anything to do with our, our characters own, you know, stories, it's just about us, the story or a different story. I'm still the one talking because I have I usually because I have all the Chaw. Um, and then also Chaw. when it's my story, I'm talking. So I feel <laughs> uh, I, I have water with me because I oh. exercise my vocals quite often on this show. It's Very nice important. that then on Cosmic Crit, I'm back on a dross where I don't have to talk at all if I don't want to. <laughs> but when you do, you have to make a gravelly voice. And that I, yes, I know. So. Things. <laughs> I got to make sure I'm using it. I'm using it well. It used to never be a problem for me, but now I cut down on the amount of extremely gravelly voiced NPCs because I know if people talk to them for a while, it's gonna. I'm just gonna lose my voice at the end of it. Right. Anyway, that that's that's the justification for having four weeks of these just kind of rock through them. But it's also just a, a setup for this race. Uh, over the last week in the the story, you guys have been the the in the land of the shackles, the tidebreaker crew getting ready for the free captain's regatta. And a bit of a massive change from, you know, where your character was a year ago, thereabouts, when we had the introduction of, of Cassius in, in coming mm -hmm. into Port Peril via the half-sunken ship, the Phoenix. And that is actually where this ep uh, week's episode is going to start with perhaps a a much better off Captain Cassius a year later visiting the, the quiet pier at the edge of the docks where we see the, the Phoenix resting on a, a sandbar having partially sank into the water, the sails completely torn and, and destroyed and showing sign of, of weather and disuse. Uh, maybe, maybe, it is a home to a, a family of seagulls now. <laughs> There's some like nests on on board, but yeah, this is the ship that, if you recall, you know you have built and, and repaired and brought up multiple times. But for that first time, it was it was down on off the shores of your family's village. Um, is is there? <laughs> it, it's a little bit. Uh, was it's a great deal smaller, I should say, than the Tidebreaker. But is there any right. interest in in getting back out here on on your your first vessel that was yours? E e yes, I mean you know, I don't think Cassius has any aspirations to necessarily be a like an admiral type and have his own fleet, much like some of the other you know free captains who have many ships um i can't remember the one who was at uh, the one we just spoke to recently i can't remember. i have all their names written down i can't remember them all <laughs> but the 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 one who escaped from chaliax I, I think it was and took on took on and just like stole an entire fleet when he left hmm. as well that navy guy aaron x and Demion. yes yes i i don't think cassius has any ambition to be like that where he has like whole fleets of ships under his command but the the phoenix would be something that you know he wants to repair this 
it's it's a sentimental connection to his ship and i think he also would like to see it have its own glory days instead of just being uh you know written off as another sunken wreck like the uh brined banshee uh as you're you're maybe thinking about how i mean this would be a, a good amount of treasure probably something that you can yourself collect if you eschew <laughs> some some magical upgrades and and armors and, and fine clothing for for a season but as you're you're mulling this over deep in thought there is a, a familiar voice that comes up behind you though perhaps an unexpected one do you, who do you think is coming to visit you here on the pier it better not be my first mate my old first mate <laughs> <laughs> who's that oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> from uh <laughs> from book uh from book one yeah i think i can't remember when we ran into her that might have been book two that might have been tidewater book, book two yes no yeah. it's not isabella lock uh that'd be two that actually let me go back and just rewrite this whole section that would make a lot of sense no <laughs> this is <laughs> this is another co-worker a <laughs> co-sailor uh, itchy toe Greg comes oh, up. Oh no! <laughs> oh well, she ain't much to look at, Captain. But uh, yeah, that might sail again. You know, some elbow grease, some magicka, some spell slinging. Aye, a lot of, and that will happen one day. I've, I can't tell you how many hours of elbow grease I've put into making her seaworthy at one point or another and she'll be there again one day but you know business does take our steer the rudder elsewhere unfortunately uh, back back on the wormwood there uh the other crew i i thought they were joking when they said you were a captain of a ship uh, i didn't really think much about it nor could i well that is until you brought that wheel out of the ocean from from when we were hunting the, the brine banshee. It wasn't until then that I seen it, Captain. Uh, you uh, you don't remember much of that ship, or you don't remember me at all, do you? I, you know, Cassius maybe stares at him and maybe thinks he's like, oh, is he joking? I think he doesn't quite know how to read it, but when he realizes maybe that Chito is serious, he'll, he'll say, I was young. No, I can't say I do remember much except for the captain from the Brian Banshee. You say you were you were part of that crew. Back clear a decade since I've been aboard that ship, I but uh, I sailed under Jalhazar for uh, a few seasons. Me and, and many other crew. Uh, he was one of the most capable captains I've ever sailed under. Uh, your present company excluded of course I fully understand I he left his impression on me as well so I think you were rightfully impressed oh but I I realized that when you was fighting this year when we were taking on one of the rival captains and those tattoos on your arms that got to glowing why well, I've remarked to myself I I never seen anything the likes of that before but then I realized that that was a lie, uh, for I had uh, 
on the Brine Banshee. There, there was a, a boy there, a cabin boy. Captain took under his his wing, protected him, and the like, and showed him the reins. As good as gold, and, and nearly an officer in the captain's eyes. And this uh, this got some other of the officers uh, proper angry. The first mate uh, put his fists on that boy, nearly killed him. And that's when that's when the tattoos started glowing, as well as the boy's eyes. Those waves sprouted up all over his body, and he began. He, he glowed like a torch, and nearly blinded the man. This was this was some time ago, but when all was said and done, we seen a vision of the boy. What looked like water surrounding him, floating in the air like a voice of which I had never heard afore or since called out. But before he could figure out what was all happening and what was saying, it was all over and everything had gone back to normal. But it was it wasn't too long after that, uh, the ship was in a storm, came out of nowhere and nearly capsized us with a, a rogue wave, tore the ship up and we lost about half the crew and and that boy included. Captain Cassius, you ever sail on the Brine Banshee as a lad? Was, was that indeed you? Cassius kind of puts his chin in his hand for a second and he, he thinks hard. And then he, he looks over and uh, uh, it's your toe, Greg, and maybe he kind of walks up closer to him and says, You have a good memory for one who oftentimes seems rum-soaked. Twas indeed me as a boy aboard the Brine Banshee, and I've had those. I've had these markings since even before I was a lad there on the ship. That storm is what swept me away to a different place and a different family. I am, it is interesting. I, I do not have much of a memory from them times and I definitely don't have a memory of the incident that you seem to recall. Well, it, it's hard to forget something like that, you see, but, well, I guess I just assumed uh... That that boy and, and some of the others, uh, they they perished in in the wash. We didn't we didn't find any of the bodies, but you you look good, <laughs> Captain, for for not being dead is all. Cassius, you know, laughs is like, Haha, if there's one thing you don't have to worry about, mate, it's the ocean killing me. The sea has spat me back up more times, and well, than I could probably even count up to. I always find my way out of that storm. Always have found my way out of the waves onto a shore with a plenty upon it. What, why do you think, uh, I guess, out of character, Cassius uh, doesn't remember that that childhood? Do you, do you think there was some injury there or something that happened along those lines? Yeah, I mean, he was... He. It, it, it's tough to say. There's a gap... You know, he 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 does he definitely does remember some things since they found the helm of the Brian Banshee. You know, we had we had those flashbacks to that time. I mean, yeah. so he, he is starting to remember a little bit. But yes, he when he got lost in a storm, 
the one that Greg is probably mentioning here, uh, he just kind of washed ashore somewhere. And from that point, he really didn't recall much. Um, Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know how long he was adrift. He was in very, very bad shape. And whether he, you know, it's it's tough whether he doesn't remember because of injury or he doesn't remember because he's just blocked it out from you know, <laughs> just being bad. Um, or, you know, that 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 we don't know. Yeah. Any, anything else to, to say to Ichito Gray here? Any, any questions you have for him? Yeah, I think Cassius would press a little bit and say, you said you heard a voice when they're the boy or. Well, I guess me was glowing. Was it my voice? Was it? I don't remember too much of it. Uh, mind you, this is some time ago, but it, it it weren't your voice, but it were coming out your mouth. It sounded like a it sounded like a trumpet's blast into my my very soul. Mm, that is a bit concerning, but. But it didn't hurt anybody. Didn't. D- d- I mean, did it sound like a language, or was it just nonsense? <laughs> oh, that—that's a bit outside of of my uh, depth, there, Captain. A bit above me pay grade. You understand? Aye, <laughs> uh, aye. You must like be asking a... your, your your officers for questions like that. <laughs> so maybe make a skill check about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, is there anything? I mean, I mean, I guess we have like kind of we know it sounds like trumpets, and I mean, I don't know if there's anything that we can if there's anything I can Cassius can go off of from that to maybe try to figure out what this could sound like or if there or maybe maybe gossip lore has he has heard rumor of such things before occurring just roll d20 in secret here boop 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 nah you know you don't really know (laughs) you're not really sure exactly i mean you've you've got some inkling that perhaps answers you know as you as you break away from the phoenix and leave itchy toe greg there you can mull this over, but yeah, you have had a few instances where things have become extremely clear, have come into focus after taking hold of the spokes of the Brian Banshee's wheel, Jalthazar's mm-hmm. wheel in your hands. Those those flashbacks seem indeed like another life that you only have access you know memory wise to from from before when you you're washed up on the mainland but uh, oddly seems now that you're trying to remember them like a part of your own life hmm. would do you would, think you'd go back and examine the the wheel some more maybe yeah exactly i that, that was, i was i had like two thoughts which was well what happens if i were just to you know hold hold the wheel again mm-hmm. and then um we, we talked we and then also this, we have uh, the because there are a few items we pulled up from that that are kind of linked the i believe brian i don't know no yeah because we have the the helm mm-hmm. we there were there was the body that was strapped to said helm so i don't know if we have any items off of that but then i think, I think he took were, uh 
the captain's sword, if memory serves. Yeah. And it, it was definitely magical, but the, the wheel seemed to be extremely potent. Yeah. A potent potable, if you will. Right. So I think he would want to return to that as well, explore that more and mm-hmm. you know and then if nothing from that, maybe talk to Sindara about yeah. these things. Well if you're if you're on the 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 focusal if you're you're up there just kind of like staring at the wheel or some of these other artifacts and mulling over yeah sandara will will come up to you maybe this is a day or so before you you leave for the race and she'll say uh oh i you've been eyeing that wheel like it was a puzzle for the best part of an an hour now uh there's something got you in a, a tizzy cap'n i might as well be a puzzle or perhaps perhaps a key there appear to have be some. Uh, there are some memories that are fuzzy to me, from a long time ago, back when. Back when I sailed on a different ship when I was very, very young, and although I have some memory of them, there, there are still there's still much of it that is. That is swept in a fog and a mist that I cannot peer through, and I was hoping by. Uh, looking at these items that which were a part of my past that perhaps I would my memory would return to me you've indeed not mentioned much of your your youth your your peoples or your upbringing outside of the mainland family that you had uh, what was it that happened to you what is what itchy toe Greg is is telling out of school true were were you indeed crew aboard the brine banshee I yeah, I, I, when I was very small. How I became part of that crew, I still cannot quite remember, but I do remember... I do remember the captain being a mentor to me, almost like a father figure, as he taught me how to hold a wheel, how, how to steer the ship through calm or storm. But then maybe, I... Then we it. were lost in a storm. Maybe as you say that, you know, um, the the memory floods back of you taking that wheel for the first time as a child. And it now here on the deck of the Tidebreaker seems to to call out to you to to grasp it. Take it in your hands and grip it. Grab. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe as, <laughs> as you reach out, you know, Sandara kind of cautions and says, you know, we, we, we know this thing has a great power and I'm I'm sensing this wheel's been infused, transmuted just beyond the the ivory and wood and, and gold it's made from. Be careful, Captain. But once more, as you lay hands on the wheel, you feel a presence around you, maybe gripping your hands atop the the carved decorative handles here, and suddenly the. You, you feel wind and rain stinging your cheeks and the stars above you go dark as you're you're pulled back in time to the deck of the brine banshee and here you see captain jalhazar at the wheel as he the ship is fighting off a violent storm and and you see him to be clinging to the deck having kind of flashed a, a rope around your arms the ship's being thrown about in the storm very violently you know just bobbing like a, a top amongst some heavy cresting waves. 
but this this seems a little bit different from some of these other visions. It seems like you are actually here. You are inhabiting this this time period. You're you're in this body right now, and with that, you have access to your memories. It doesn't seem just like a, you know, a memory that you're you're accessing. It seems like you are back in time almost, and senses and memories flood flood you as, as you're you're fighting through this storm of uh, faces of former crewmates. You can remember what indeed a a two legged Ichito Greg. <laughs> looks like you know he was just called handsome Greg back then oh uh there there are other mates and men you know that on on board the ship that treated you like a a brother or a son but a single burning memory kind of floods you as you watch the the captain handling the storm of just a few nights before as of course as your job as a cabin boy you were creeping outside the captain's quarters and heard him and another officer arguing you heard them say something about you and you hear the officer saying the boy is a liability captain i have to think of our own skins in this everyone aboard is in danger the longer he stays here you see jealous our reply and says i don't want i don't want to hear you say another word about him I made a promise on my honor I would take him in and keep him safe. We can handle whatever's thrown at us. Bending over to you, peer through the keyhole. You see this officer's back. You see him shaking his head and Jalazar at his desk. I understand what his mother did for you. You may feel you owe her something, but the crew are afraid of what destruction this might invite. Hiding the boy's father from him might save his neck, but if it got out who he is, it could mean our necks. Why, Bonefist would... Captain Jalazar snaps and says, Kardak Bonefist need never know a thing about this matter. I don't care what some old witch says. I don't care about prophecies or hoodoo or magic. I made a promise, and I aim to keep it. And if you don't care for the company I choose as my crew, then, well, Mr. Harrigan, I suggest you find your own ship. The officer turns to the door to storm out, and you see the eye patch wearing face of none other than Barnabas Harrigan coming right at you. I'm writing down so many things. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> if only we were recording this. Everyone was on the Brian bench. I'm definitely going to have to listen twice. I mean, yeah, I think Cassie, because we're, we're, you know, he's he's essentially reliving this moment again. Um, mm -hmm. And so a flood of, you know, different feelings kind of washes through him, you know, and, and a lot of it, a lot of it being confusion. I mean, Harrigan knew who I was when we were back on the, you know, and I, I think that would be one of the... the Origins aside, I think one of the few things that would run through him is, as a wave of confusion is like Harrigan had to know who I was. 
And did you tell Greg didn't really have uh, an inkling? You were pretty young. You were a boy back then. I mean, not yeah, yet, but... a, not yet a man. Yeah, but like he would have seen me. I mean, when I was like the, I mean, I, I mean, I, this would obviously be a theory. I mean, I, I think Cassie, this is what you know, Cassie would believe Harrigan had to recognize mm-hmm. him because, because of the tattoos. I mean, because of, and also, they they shared that moment where, you know, oh my gosh, Cassie has called out to Harrigan when he was about to be stabbed, and he didn't even know. It's like he knew subconsciously. Uh, and then you know they had that moment where he handed him the buckler that which which was his like first spoil from back when of their servitude on the wormwood mm-hmm. so yeah i mean yeah I and mean, this is this is a while ago i mean how old is cassius now because I, mean, I think he's still pretty young um maybe 10 15 years past yeah that's got to be at least yeah 15 imagine a pirate's life in that time. Right. yeah i know yeah harrigan is harrigan has been through a lot but I mean, he goes through cabin boys like tissue paper just tears him to shreds <laughs> yeah yeah he, go, he go really... in the water go in that shark infested water and fetch my uh, my uh my peg leg please thank you yeah exactly so but yeah then you know i think trying to i mean the the mention of a uh, a witch and a prophecy and bone fist three words you don't really want to ever hear too much about your life uh not good omens i mean yeah this is this is you remembering this as you have a vision of almost your life flashing in in front of your eyes as lightning flashes from the storm here on the brine banshee you watch as the tattoos on your arms begin to flash as well and a light surrounds you and as the waves kind of crash into the ship, you see crewmates getting getting washed off. And you know, for a fact, most of them would not survive the night. This massive squall, as it seems to envelop the ship, uh, you feel the water as, almost as if the ocean's hands kind of came out, begin to lift you up and, and pull you off the Brian Banshee. But it... it it doesn't frighten you. These there's blue lights among the water here that kind of looks like bioluminescent plankton, and it shines just like your your eyes begin to shine. You can feel your your tattoos coming alive, and as as you close your eyes, you kind of feel yourself floating above the deck, and then all of a sudden just plunged into the icy water and darkness of the ocean, and and start to feel, you know, begin to suck water down into your lungs as you you slip out of consciousness and out of this this vision. And as you as you take one more heavy breath before for passing out, you you reawaken. And you're lying on the boards of the the tidebreaker, breathing heavily, and Zendara Quinn kind of cradling you on the ground and be like, Cassius, are you all right? Are you all right? Where where did you go? You you're back now. You're you're safe. Cassius's eyes are very wide, and he kind of looks around, and he looks at Sandara, and he and I think he was to say, "Is there a prophecy? A prophecy regarding Kardak Bonefist? Something well known, or something obscure?" I don't know what you're talking about, but 
I think a stiff drink might be at least the first thing that this doctor prescribes. Let's let's retreat to your cabin. She promises a a very stiff drink, but perhaps tries to cast like a, a soothing spell on you. We'll boil a big thing of rum and tea and, you know, set it beside your bed as she gets you to, to rest up a bit and she'll lay beside you and be like, what What are you talking about? Uh, you're saying something about Bonefist? The, the Hurricane King? Uh, there's something... There's something we need to figure out. There's something I need to figure out. My When I touched the wheel, I went back to when I was just... That small lad aboard the Brian Banshee. When I was under the when I was under the care of Captain Hazar. I overheard a conversation, not all of it, but just enough to know that neither he nor one of the officers and I'm not I'm purposefully leaving out who <laughs> neither he nor one of the officers they were they they didn't want anyone to learn about my my parentage, who, who, who my family was, who my mother was. Hazar was indebted to her, but he didn't mention who she was. And they seemed to be, there seemed to be taught, and I heard Bonefist's name come up, and I heard them talk about a witch and a prophecy and, and my father. But no one said anything specific, and now I feel like I've learned more than I should, but not enough to have any answers. But... If Kurdak is a part of a prophecy, that might lead me to something. Well, I only know what perhaps the the rumors are of of Bonefist, that he's indeed tied in with some deep magic. He's he's not aged a day, it seems, and in many a year he's he's been king for, for some time. But the his namesake, the the skeletal hand that you you so brazenly shook when you took the letters of Mark. Well, it said that it, it was uh, a curse of some kind of sorceress, uh, a, a great and powerful sorceress that maybe he took to bed or perhaps killed. I, I don't know much more about it, but I mean, there's a million different stories about the Hurricane King. I, I don't Can't. know of of any prophecy, though. Cassius is like rubbing his head because he feels like feels like a ton of information has suddenly you know burst into his brain and there's not enough room to hold it all and yeah, it's uh, probably good like, that we didn't sprinkle this throughout all those side <laughs> yeah as as like a, you know a, a, a hundred different thoughts cross his mind or theories and and uh, you know he, he says I'll have to think on this there must be someone who. Perhaps knows more if there's something linking Kurdak to some prophecy or superstition, then probably not many would know. And I think I wish to keep it that way, Sandara. There's no reason for the others to to know about this quite yet, because those on the Brine Banshee who did know, they they didn't care for it. Believing at least it were bad luck for the for me to be on board that ship. Why, they did not say, but I do not want, with the regatta looming on our horizon, I do not want people to to question their place on this ship. 
I, I understand, Captain. You need to keep your, your head clear, at least for now, but... Well, your secret is safe with me. When I met you, I, I told you I, I thought Bezamara held you in high regard. As it seemed you'd sailed through storms before and come out the other side. That's that's how I formed my connection with her, by the way. When I was young, my father, a fisherman at a hell harbor, his boat was hit by a storm and all hands were said to have gone down with the, the vessel. But I prayed. I prayed to Bismar to save him and deliver him back. And the lady did just that. Not three days hence. And from then on, I promised to her and to myself that I would live and model myself in her honor. Leave no keg untapped, no sea unsailed, no bed cold. But as I move forward, I, I think it's important. We look back at where we came from. My parents helped make me who I, I was and my father who since passed, I, I recall the, the good times we had as a family the warmth of his embrace and well if, if your past is is muddled Cassius I, I would like to help you clear it up and find out more about you I never once put too much thought towards that much of that part of my history I was I spent my days happy being being raised by my village and, but now it appears that my past could put us in quite a bit of danger, and I do not wish to sail into unknown waters either. This is something we will have to uncover and figure out if if it is a boon or indeed a curse, as some of the officers on the Brine Banshee thought. If you were indeed crew to the Banshee, even if they be dead there, there are ways to try and find out stories of your past where you came from and who you are. Perhaps best that we not bog your mind down with this uh, nights before the regatta, but I don't want you to, to have to think this is a, a hopeless cause either. Once we get through with the race, we can set about looking into this more. I just want you to promise me that no matter what, after this race, we'll see it through. I think you earned a break, maybe some some time to relax and reflect. Win, lose, or draw, eh, Captain? He kind of, you know, Cassius is nodding his head along, and he grabs some some rum, and he says, you're absolutely right. This is something, this is a pivotal moment for this crew. For us, we will win the regatta, and we will see the next chapter unfold for us. Your, your dreams that night are a new flurry of images and faces that seem alien, but very familiar at the, the same time. You dream of the, the distant setting sun boiling into the, the western sea and oranges and reds. The sound of waves being split by the bow of your ship as it zooms along. Maybe past lovers' gazes, the distorted sneers of those looking to do you harm from scourge to a, a fierce Watanaga. And yeah, some of those memories of your youth that seemed kind of impossible to access before are now just there on the edge of your consciousness. Both, you know, smiling eyes and 
words of encouragement from from people as you grew up but also the the sound of that roaring sea that seems to, to drown out some of these and the next day though you awake oh refreshed the the day before the regatta and and ready for whatever it may bring uh but that of course is a, a tale for another time oh. as we've talked enough and we've reached our quotas i, I realize we've probably just made more questions and given answers but uh, i think we i think we have there's still i know i have a lot of questions oh just go ahead and ask me i'll tell you i'll tell you everything right now no you will not <laughs> <laughs> not falling for this again <laughs> See that's that's the that's that's how I operate. Yeah. I don't know the answers, so you can ask me all you want. I'll be like, maybe and just be fishing for like. Oh, that's a good idea. Like, what other idea is this going back to? Like, yeah, you know you were, what? You were already writing down like Tyler's Isabella, father, is Isabella Locke should have shown up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh uh, boy, yeah, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, we are back here next week with the start of the regatta and back to having all four players if that's your thing listeners if you like yeah you know, weirdos the regular podcast yeah. I'm, I'm excited to learn uh everybody else's thing you know we we all recorded these all separate and, and it's not like we sat in on them or you know we're frantically messaging you know what happened what happened, what happened? so <laughs> Yes, yes, and and some of it I was like, well, maybe it can be a little bit of secret until you know you you're comfortable revealing it, and I think that's how some of this information might go. Some of it's a little more prescient, but no, no. yeah, I'm uh, definitely not going to tell people unless they listen to this episode. I was so. about to say you can go, you can listen to any of them. That's fine. I know, but I I know they won't. They're not going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is going to do it. Uh, thank you, Tyler, for for playing with me. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate you sitting down with me 1v1. Talking pirates. Yeah, and and I didn't have to roll any attacks, which is good, because I don't (laughs) think I'd win a 1v1 against you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, I rolled some secret GM rolls, but that was about it. Very, very roll light episode. Listeners, Patreon supporters, thanks for supporting us. Uh, If you like these episodes, let us know. And if you hate them, you know, keep it to yourself. We don't need to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, thanks for supporting us, for, for responding to these, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Dead Men Roll No Crits. See you next time. Arr. Feels bad not to end it on an R. <laughs> <laughs>